Thank you, thank you, thank you. You can, you can grab a seat. Uh, before I get you, well, let's, let's thank our worship teams. Well, they always bless us. Love you guys. Before I get into my message, I just want to introduce um, an exciting time every year in our church life. We take an impact offering. Uh, hands up if you've heard of or taken part in an impact offering before. Yeah, lots of people. We do it once a year, and it's like this. We believe in tithing. We believe in giving monthly, weekly, however you do that. But once a year, we create an opportunity to go over and above that. And this is how, um, what it's about. It's, it's giving us the opportunity to accelerate when kingdom opportunity arises. How many times in your personal world have you seen an opportunity and you thought, if only I had the money for that, I'd really like to do that, but I can't do it because I haven't got the money. What the impact offering does is it creates a fund so that when the opportunity comes, we are ready to go. You know, we could send a missionary, we could buy a building, we, we, could, we could plant a church. Whatever the opportunity is, the impact offering is for that. So our tithes and general giving allow us to function as a church. But the impact offering creates a fund so that we can go to another level somewhere. And we produce a brochure. It was supposed to be here today, but the printer misprinted two pages. So it'll be here for next week. And it just helps you see what we've done. Last year, you know, bearing in mind the size of church we are, last year we gave £35,100 in one offering. Awesome. Awesome. And what, they, what the brochure does, it shows you how we spent some of that, what we're doing. One of the, one of the things we do is we put, we're creating a, a deposit to buy our own building one day. I, I believe by the time all the last year's pledges have been honoured that we will have somewhere between 150 and 160,000 pounds set aside for a deposit. Because there's no point in saying, God, we want a building, God, we want a building, but we're not playing our part. You know, and maybe 160 grand's not enough to what we need now, but we're saying, God, we're playing our part and we're being stewarding well. We were able to help the Equippers Church in Ghana to build their own building. You know, how about when you want a building, help someone else get their building? You know, and in the brochure, there's lots of pictures of that. There's a QR code to scan, and it does you a, a, a zoom around the building. We paid for that. We played our part in paying for that. So many things. We were able to send money to Ukraine. You know, we've got an Equippers Church in Slovakia, which borders Ukraine, and we were able to send them uh, a four-figure sum to say, as you're there, use it as you see fit. And they were able to bless people right there and right then. Why? Because we had a fund which enabled us to accelerate when the need arise. Okay, so here's what I want you to do. We take that in three weeks' time, November the 20th. At this stage, I just want you to pray. God, do you want me to contribute to that? Is there something stirring in your heart that actually I want to get my financial weight between the possibilities in this church? If you're married or in a, in a, in a partnership, maybe have, have a chat with your, your partner and say, yeah, what, what's stirring in you? Here's what I've known. Everyone who gives to that and stretches themselves always ends up blessed. You can never, never, never outgive God. Yeah, I know sometimes with finances, it's that stretch thing. It's like, oh dear, that's a bit painful. I can only say for Sarah and I, we do our best to lead the way. We gave the biggest offering we've ever given last time around. And I tell you what, we've been blessed. When we wrote it down on the, on the, on the slip, we were like, oh, are we really doing this? It's scary. Sometimes you need some scary faith. You know, and suddenly you, you, you take that on, you're like, wow. So pray, think about it, seek God on it. And then next week, we'll have some brochures which will help you look at what we've done. It's really exciting what we're able to do as a church through our financial giving. So um, just consider that. In three weeks' time, we'll take the pledges. What happens is you pledge, and you have a whole year to meet that pledge. So we, we take it in, 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 in November, and we do the giving at the end of October. So you're, you're pledged for a year. You're not giving the money that day. You can if you want to, but you're pledging for a year, and then you're able to believe God for that. Are you with me? Yeah. Awesome. Okay, let's pray this one in.
Father. Father, thank you for this brilliant, brilliant church, full of amazing people. Thank you for everyone who watches online. Bless them. Thank you that your hand is on every individual life, that your plans for us are good. Let hope arise in us, I pray, Father God. Let confidence arise in us, O oh God, that our future is alive and well. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Touch two people and say, This is for you. We are in this series which we have called I Will, I Will. And uh, all through God's word you find lots of times where he says I will. And when God says I will it becomes a promise because he's not one to lie. He can't say I will and then he won't. It's I will and he does. And there's lots of things you'll see on the screen here. I will dry your eyes. I will make your path straight. I will hold you. I will show you hidden things. I will never leave you. I will give you rest. Loads of times. All through the word. And I hope through this preaching series, you haven't just listened to what the preachers have said, but you've actually had a little look yourself. Because do you know what? It's not just about me or Sarah or Steve Graham or any other preacher we might have. You are amazing, amazing people. And if you get in the word yourself, God will highlight stuff to you. So I hope it stirred you a little bit. We started off, I think, with... I will fight for you. And then we looked at, I will do a new thing. And then we did, I will guide you. And then last week we did, I will honor you. Well, I kind of want to round the whole thing off with a few I wills today. But here's the title. You can because he will. You can because he will. If you like titles, there's one for you. What I've loved about this is all through this calendar year, I felt stirred continually to encourage the church to dream. We're living in a society where people are so often stuck, depressed. You've only got to turn the news on and it literally sucks the life out of you. And we're living in this place. But the church isn't here to represent the world. The church is here to represent heaven. And, and, and heaven isn't struggling. We, we themed this year getting to the flow. So heaven is flowing. So we need to be flowing on earth. Yeah? So my, I love hearing stories. We've had several people move house this year. At a time when it might have been difficult to move house, God's church said, no, I want to move house, and that's going to happen. We've got people moving business premises. We've got people starting new businesses. We've had people joining in with new ministries when it would have been easy to sit down and watch everyone else do it. People have stepped up and loved it. We've got people starting new ventures, people changing jobs, and people dreaming again. I love it, and I celebrate you. So, 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 so good. But I bumped into a few people this week who aren't yet living in that place. And if you're someone who's anywhere near close to God, when people are struggling, compassion rises up, doesn't it? You just feel what they're feeling. It's like, oh, yes, let's celebrate those who are winning, but never forget those who aren't quite there yet. And it, wouldn't it be great if those who are winning could get their show, arm around someone's shoulder and say, come on, this is for you too. This isn't just my story. This is also your story. And help people along. You know, it's so easy to, to look at your future and look at all the things that you'd love to do, you'd love to see, you'd love to be happening, but you're swamped by all the negativity around you, all the reasons why you're stuck. I'm tired. I lack resources. I've lost my confidence. You know, I know lockdown was quite some time ago, but I think some people still aren't out of it. Over a two-year period, we, we created patterns and thought processes that we haven't shaken off. Well, okay, some people have. Let's help those who haven't yet, because this is for everyone. I've not got the qualifications I need. There are a million and one reasons why I can't move forward. But here's the thing. You can, because he will. 
You know, those who are leaning into Jesus have a resource you can't find anywhere else. Let's hang it on this passage here, Isaiah 43 and verse 19. I think we used it before, but it's got two things in it. Let all the nations, um, Isaiah 43, sorry, that's verse 9, I wanted verse 19. I'll read it to you. Isaiah 43, 19 in the New King James Version says this. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? Here it is. I will make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Is there a road in the wilderness? No. So this is the passage where God says, I will make a way where there isn't a way. And so often in life, we're looking for a future and hoping for something, and we can't see a way. Well, God is telling you today, I will make a way where you can't see a way. Where you think it's impossible, I'm going to make it possible. In the wilderness where there isn't a way, I'm going to make a path. You might feel like you're stuck in the wilderness of stucks. I just can't get out of it. Well, this is where, just like we've prayed in this service, we're drawing into God, and he's going to make a way. And you'll have a story. Jab the person next to you and say, he's going to make a way. Here's the thing. Moses was called, wasn't he? And he said, go and speak to, to Pharaoh. And Moses made every excuse why he couldn't. I wonder how many of us are living in a space where we're making every excuse why we can't. And what did he say? He says, tell them I am is with you. You're not on your own. And do you know the great thing? The same I am who was with Moses is also with you. So if you think it's impossible, brilliant. It might be impossible for you, but it's totally possible with him. Think about them. Think about the story they created. He went to Pharaoh. He said, let the people go. There was a whole bunch of plagues and all kinds of carrying on, all, all sorts of stuff. And in the end, Pharaoh says, okay, they can go. And he lets them go. And they're all dancing and singing and loving it. And they come to the Red Sea and they turn around and Pharaoh's changed his mind. And, and the Egyptian army is hounding them down. And they're hemmed in from the back. And they're at the front and they've got the sea. They are literally stuck. There is nowhere to go but God. And he says to Moses, what have you got in your hand? He said, I've got a stick. Sometimes all you need is a stick. I don't know what you've got, but I bet you've got more than a stick. He only had a stick, and he said, okay, Moses, that's what you've got. Raise the stick. And as he raises the stick, God makes a way where there wasn't a way. The sea parted, and it says they walked across on dry land. He made a way. And even better, depending on your view of this, as they got to the other side, it closed over again, and the Egyptian army all got smothered. Woo! <laughs> you say, I lack. He says, I will provide you say, I'm of ill health. He says, I will heal you. You say, you haven't got any confidence. He says, draw your confidence from me. He's the one that opened doors that no one can close. You've got to remember who this is. Like we said last week, it's not the genie in the sky. This is almighty God, creator of heaven and earth, who is for you. We need to change our thinking. We need to start thinking like heaven. Here's a good thought process for you. What could I do when I know God is with me? Here's a better thought process. What couldn't I do if God is with me? Literally, there is nothing you couldn't do if you have this mustard seed of faith in your heart where you can't see a way and say, God, I know you're calling to me this make a way. And we're believing for a building. We can't see one, but God is going to make a way. We will have a collective testimony, won't we? All things are possible. Matthew 19, 26, here it is. But Jesus looked at them and said to them, with men, this is impossible. But with God... 
all things are possible. Come on, I don't know what you're saying is impossible, but with God it is possible. Let me stir your faith this morning. I can do all things through Christ. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I don't know what you're saying you can't do, but yes, you can. Let me stir your faith this morning. If you're stuck in lockdown, if you're stuck in all the reasons why you can't, let your faith arise, get your step out of it and into the promises of God. When you can't, he will. Sarah, my wife and I have always done our best not just to lead from the front with preaching and worship leading and stuff like that, but lead by example. And so all this year while I've been banging the drum about getting you to dream, we've been dreaming. And some of you will know our dreams. And Sarah starts a long time ago. Sarah, um, she did okay at school, but she wouldn't call herself academic particularly. She got decent results. She went on and studied beauty therapy, and she got a lot of stick being a blonde, going, oh, I do beauty therapy. All that kind of connotations that she had to battle through. But she stuck at it, and for eight years she ran her own business and became quite successful. And they actually called her back to the, to the institute, and she became a teacher of it. And so this person who they said wasn't academic, he's now teaching. She got her teaching qualification, and she taught people who went on to run their own businesses. But her dream was to get into aesthetics. You know, lips and that one. You know, the old uh, Botox. And but the thing is, there's those two obvious things, but there's so many. If you look into aesthetics now, it's amazing what they can do. And Sarah's found her way in, phoned up a company and said, and they got on really well and they gave her a job. Now she is teaching that. And she wanted to get into this thing. She was this girl who they said wasn't academic, and now she is teaching that. But for next year, they have to get a level seven qualification to stay in the industry. And that's the equivalent of master's. And Sarah's done her first two assignments. And do you know what? She's got 78% and 82%. And she would say, people would say, that's impossible for someone like you. But her testimony is, but my God. You say it's impossible, but he says it's possible. We're not just talking this stuff. Our household lives this kind of stuff. When you see her, give her a high five because she's so chuffed of herself. You know, we said, fun... um, it was even before lockdown, it was my dream to take my family to, to Orlando and go on all the rides. Sarah and I were celebrating our 20-year anniversary. And what we wanted to do was take the children away and uh, go to all the big rides. We're a bit of an adrenaline junkie family. But, you know, it's expensive. Who knows Orlando's expensive? And, you know, we didn't really have the cash for it, but we had a dream in our heart. And I stood in front of you and said, we could, this will happen. And I did it on purpose because I want you to see us go on our journey. And if you see us go on our journey, it might inspire you to step into your journey. You know, this isn't the Barry Roberts Roadshow. This is a church just inspiring people around them that heaven is flowing on earth. And so what happens? We have lockdown. We can't go to Orlando. And so we're like, oh, brilliant. On the sly, I was secretly thinking, that's giving me an extra year to save. But uh, my wife just gets a vision to change our house around. So all the money we've saved for Orlando, we spent on doing our house up. And uh, we, had, we had the old uh, G5 grass put down, and we had walls come down, and we had new kitchens, and it was fantastic. The knock-on effect of that is, for 17 years now, we've lived in that house, and we've walked past the houses that go over the front of the river. And we've looked at them and go, imagine living in one of them, never thinking that would ever happen to us. But we'd done our house up. We'd blown all of our Orlando money on it. And Sarah said, let's try. So we put the house on the market. It sells within 10 days. We suddenly realise how much equity we've got in the house. We go to the bank manager and he says, yeah, you've got enough. 
And so now we are living in the house we dreamed of for 17 years, and we had enough to go to Orlando as well. That's my God. Now, we didn't, yeah, come on. And I say this not to go, oh, look at my life. I say this to look at my God. Because I didn't have enough. It was stupid. There wasn't a way. But my God makes a way where there seems to be no way for people who are close to him are faithful. So I encourage you, get close to God. Get close to God. Get close to God. Because you can. I was just chatting to my daughter Evie on the way to church and um, her friends wanted to do some weird Halloween thing and she said, well, we don't do Halloween in our household. But because they love her, they said, well, we'll do something different then. We won't do Halloween, we'll do a colour thing. And so she was green and so she had to take a a tray full of green food. So she had broccoli, she had green, green pasta, she had mint arrows, she was was nailing it, she had green clothes on. And her friends had different colours and they had a great time, but um, just chatting to her on the way into church this morning and said, how was it? She said, it was amazing, Dad. I said, what do you mean? Do you know when you get all bumpy because you know something good's coming? What do you mean? She said, well, they, they put on this sort of bit of a naff film and it was a bit dark. And so she, she said, I stood up and said, no, let, let's turn this off. It's not creating a good atmosphere. Everyone's starting freaking out a little bit. And she said, we need to change the atmosphere. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray. 13 years old, with five of her 13-year-old mates, none of whom come to church. She says, I'm going to pray. They go, oh, all right then. One of her friends says, you can pray for me. So Evie's like praying for, for, for this girl. She's like, oh, wow, that's amazing. And there's another girl who's been suffering from depression. And so Evie starts crying. She starts crying. And then they, they, she said, everyone was going, oh, my, I'm all tingling, all stuff's going on. And what happened is someone who was willing to step out in God, who's been praying for her friends, and it doesn't seem an obvious way, God made a way when she was faithful. <laughs> Go, Evie. Very proud of you. Very proud of you. They asked her lots of questions afterwards, and she said, I really feel like I fielded those questions well. And they're all talking about going to the youth conference, and come on, let's pray for a generation to get saved. So the Bible is full of people and situations where ultimately it's all against them. Let's consider Timothy. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 12 through 14, it says this. Paul is writing to Timothy. Let no one despise your youth. But be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy, by the laying on hands of the eldership. So here's the thing. Here is this guy, and the first thing Paul says to him, don't despise your youth. What do you think that means? That means all the people around him are telling him you're too young. You're too young, you're not old enough, you're not mature enough for this role. And what's that doing to Timothy on the inside? You ever been told you're not good enough? You ever been told you're not qualified enough, you're not capable enough, you're not the right person for it? This is where Timothy is at. But Paul says, don't despise your youth. In fact, press into the gift that was given to you by the laying on of hands. You are the right person in the right place with the right giftings. It's time to stand up. And I don't know who I'm speaking to here, but I know there are people right now who need to stand up because you are the right person in the right place with the right giftings. You just need to believe it. And when you stand up like that, not only will you change other people's worlds, you'll change your own. But it needs confidence for someone to say, I've God given gifts. Is our confidence in who people say we are or in who he says we are? 
And so often I think it's important to be in small groups or have um, Christian relationships where you're speaking to each other's lives and you build that confidence because I guarantee you week after week, day after day, you'll go into a world where you get knocked. And if you hear it often enough, it can take root. But if you're around the church... They say, yeah, but you're a child of God. Yeah, but you're gifted. Yeah, but you're called. Yeah, but you're chosen. Yeah, but your future is secure. Yeah, that the greater is he than he is in the world. And suddenly something comes alive in you and you don't start flattening down, you start standing up. And it's time for the church to stand up. You can because he will. What about Isaac? Have a look at Isaac's story here in Genesis 26. I'm going to read verses 1 to 3 and then verses 12 and 13. There was a famine in the land. Who knows, that's not a good time. Everything's against you and there's a famine in the land. Besides the first famine that was in the days of Abraham, and Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines, in Gerar. There the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land of which I tell you. Dwell in this land and I will be with you and bless you. For to you and your descendants I will give all these lands and will perform the oath which I swore to Abraham your father. Then Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. The man began to prosper and continued prospering until he became very prosperous. So here is this guy living in famine. Everything's against them. Who knows in famine it is not the time to sow. You've got your seed and you've got a certain amount of seed and you're going to sow it in famine. It's going to die because there's no water. The wrong time. But does he look at his circumstances that say there is no way? Or does he look to his God which says, all things are possible with me. And I'll make a way where there seems to be no way. And so he plants and God blesses him a hundred times. So when everyone else is struggling, Isaac begins to prosper. Why? Because he is God's man in that moment, at that time, and so close to God, he doesn't look at the circumstances around him, he listens to the Father's heart, and he sows, and God blesses him. I wonder how many people here are holding back on your next adventure because you look at the circumstances and say, this is the wrong time. And God just keeps, you keep coming to church and you keep hearing this nut job of a pastor going, now's the time, now's the time, now's the time, now's the time. You go out and you look around and go, it's not the time. Well, can I say it again? Now's the time. Now's the time. I don't know what dream it is in your heart, but stand up and step into it. Everything around you might be seeming against you, but God's going to make a way where there seems to make no way. And what will happen is you'll have a story and everyone who knows you will have to say, that is weird, that is freaky, that had to be God. And you'll go, yes, it was. But you don't get that testimony unless you stand up and sow. You don't get that testimony unless you stand up and push the door, ask the question, take the step. If you sit down and look at the circumstances, there will be no way. But if you stand up and say, okay, God... I'm brave. I'm going to pray for my friend. I'm going to sow the seed. I'm going to join the ministry. I'm going to change the job. I'm going to move the house. I don't know what it is going on in your world right now, but I know this. Now's the time. Now's the time. We need to be functioning as heaven is, not as earth is. And we've gone through such and such a time, hasn't it? It feels like a long time ago, lockdown, but it's been tough. And I think people have struggled with mental health and are still struggling with mental health. People are struggling with depression. They're still struggling with depression. But we're the church. Heaven doesn't struggle with those things. So we need to bring heaven here, set people free so we can dream again. Amen. Come on, I'm preaching better than the response I'm getting here. 
I put a note to the side here as I was writing this. And it says, pray for business people. I know there's business people in this room. Or maybe you're someone who's entrepreneurial or is thinking about starting a business or starting a venture. Maybe you're someone who has a position in work where your you're, finances is a big part of it. And the trouble is in the world, now's not the time to do anything at all, is it? But I feel released to pray for you people in those situations that actually, as you step out and sow, God's going to bless you and you'll become prosperous. Not Yes, prosperous because you'll enjoy that, but prosperous because then you can fund kingdom initiatives. Yeah. Prosperous because then you can make a difference to someone else's world. Isn't it, wouldn't it be awesome? It's always been a, a kind of a, a language I've said. You could walk down the street, high street in cultures and see a homeless person and buy them a meal and that would be awesome. But wouldn't it be good to buy them a house? That changes their life. A meal helps them get through the day. A house literally changes their life. But we can't buy them a house unless someone's getting prosperous yeah. with a heart to serve. God, are you with me? Yeah. So this isn't money for the money's sake. This isn't blessing for blessing's sake. This is blessing so that heaven can be revealed on earth. If you're a business person or, or, or an entrepreneur or someone who's like, you're thinking about one day stepping into something. If you're someone who's maybe high up in business and handling finances or God's blessing you in that way, would you stand? Because I'm going to pray for you. Get yourselves up. I know there's loads of you. Don't be, don't be shy. If you're, if you're someone here who's representing someone in that position, for instance, that would also be helpful. Yes, yes, yes. If you're near someone like that, let's, uh, let's turn around, reach out, pray for them. Yes, come on. It's so good. Don't miss this, guys. Is there faith in the room today? Come on. Now, according to the world, is a difficult time to be in business. But according to heaven, he will make a way where there seems to be no way. Father God, I lift up all these brilliant people and the people they're representing. And I speak an anointing for this season over you in Jesus' name. An anointing for business, an entrepreneurial anointing, anointing for great wisdom in handling finances, I speak the word prosperous over you in Jesus' name, in the best sense of the word, that you would be wise enough to handle that well, that you'd be a blessing everywhere you go. If there's been words spoken over you that are holding you back, I break their power in Jesus' name. If you've got recent history that has held you back, I break its power over you in Jesus' name and I release the thought process of heaven to you. Think like the Father thinks. See like the Father sees. Behave like the father behaves. And just you watch your world go to a new level. And all God's people said, amen. Let's give the father a round of applause for what he's going to do. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I just want to speak a word over Cynthia. Cynthia's doing our camera at the back if you want to see the, the awesomeness that is Cynthia. Jesus. Cynthia, God's going to make a way for you. I know he's put dreams in your heart. And I know right now it looks difficult. But you will have a testimony of his goodness. Never give up on it. Keep asking the questions. Keep pushing the door. Stay close to the Father. And you will have a testimony. Don't settle for second best. Because God's got the best for you. You're his child. You're his princess. And he loves you. Just watch your story unfold. Let faith arise in you right now. Where there seems to be no way. He will make a way. I declare it over you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. What about Paul, the Apostle Paul? You know, this guy who writes great big chunks of scripture that we read today and are so inspired by. He's amazing. He was called to take the gospel all over Europe. 
out to the Gentiles and he was gifted and anointed for these things. But they don't like it and they don't like him and he gets arrested. And so he's being taken to Rome to be tried and he's on this boat. You know, and, and it's as horrendous. And if you, you can read it in Acts chapter 17 and there's a, there's a shipwreck. And I don't know what's gone on in your Christian walk, but I'm pretty sure none of you have been shipwrecked for Jesus. Because it's an actual shipwreck. It's not something like this. Imagine you're on a boat and it crumbles and you're in the sea. This is, this is, it's not great. It's not great. But in this moment where they're clearly going to get shipwrecked, Paul is a prisoner. And even as a prisoner, he stands up and says to them, God's told me, guys, you're going to be okay. That's pretty brave right there. You're going to be okay. And they're like, oh, okay, okay. And, and then they, they wash up in Acts chapter 28. They wash up on Malta. We quite like going to some of these islands for holidays. And then you realize where they're in the Bible. It's like, oh, what happened there? I was on that beach, get a tan. <laughs> Acts 28, verses 1 through 10, it says this. And that's on the back of that story on the shipwreck. Now, when they had escaped, they then found out that the island was called Malta. And the natives showed unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire and made us all welcome. Because of the rain that was falling and because of the cold. But when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, a viper came out and because of the heat and fastened to his hand. So when the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, No doubt this man is a murderer, whom though he has escaped the sea, yet justice does not allow him to live. But he shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. However, they were expecting that he would swell up and suddenly fall down dead. But after they had looked for a long time and saw no harm come to him, they changed their mind and said that he was a god. In that region, there was an estate of the leading citizen of the island, whose name was Publius, who received us and entertained us courteously for three days. And it happened that the father of Publius laid sick of a fever and dysentery. Paul went into him and prayed, and he laid his hands on him and healed him. So when this was done, the rest of those in the, in the island who had diseases also came and were healed. They also honoured us in many ways, and when we departed, they provided such things as were necessary. So picture the scene. Paul is called to preach the gospel. Paul is told to go out to people about Jesus. Because he's so good at it, they don't like him. He gets arrested. Now there is no way. Now I can't do the thing I'm supposed to be doing. I'm a prisoner on a boat. There's a shipwreck. They all think they're going to die. He has the courage to stand up with, with the authority of God. Said, no, you're going to be okay. He washes up on Malta, a prisoner, trying to preach the gospel. He goes and picks up some sticks to make a fire. And a viper comes and grabs him on the hand. That's Now he's up against it, isn't he? A viper is literally hanging from him. He's like, get, on, get off. don't know how you behave, but I'll be like, get, get off me. He shakes it off into the fire. And all the people there are thinking... This guy's going to die. Let's watch what happens now. And he doesn't die. Why? Because God makes a way where there seems to be no way. Where he should have been sick, God brought health. What happens? He's this prisoner who now becomes a hero. How many of us, if we'll only step out into the thing we're called to do, we'll end up heroes? I think God's okay with it if you do well. I think it's God's okay with it if you get a good name. Why? Because you'll always point people to him. And so these people go, this guy, he didn't die. Did you see that? He didn't even die. Can't believe it. Did you see it? Paul struck him around, yeah, I didn't die. <laughs> Shook it off in the fire. Didn't even touch me. <laughs> Stupid little viper, I'm not even scared. 
becomes a hero. There he was on the boat, dreaming of telling people about Jesus, a prisoner, damned. God brings a storm which seems horrendous, but out of this horrendous storm, he washes up into Malta. God protects him from a viper. He becomes a hero. He doesn't have to breach Jesus. He demonstrates Jesus. He goes to the, to the father of the leader of the land and he heals him. God allows him to heal him. Then everyone comes. What's happening now? He was this, this nowhere, no hope. How am I going to preach the gospel? No, no, no. He washes up in an island. He demonstrates the gospel and everyone's coming, blessing him, thinking he's amazing, giving him stuff, wanting to be around him. He made a way where there seemed to be no way. That could be your story and your story and your story and your story. But do you know what it does? It means like Paul, at some point you have to stand up. Say so it's going to be okay. Bring good news to people here near good news. They're on a boat. They think they're going to die. Hardened sailors. And Paul stands up with the authority of God and says, you're going to be okay. I wonder what room you might find yourself in this week or next week or next month where someone just needs to hear it's going to be okay. Would you in that moment be brave enough to stand up and say, I love the Father in heaven. He's just released me to say, you're going to be okay. Let me pray peace over you. Evie had an opportunity last night. She could have just ducked down and said, oh, this is a bit of a horrible moment. But what does she do? She stands up and says, no, this is not okay. I'm going to pray for you. Come on, church, where's the bravery? Come on, church, where's the willingness to stand up and have a go? Because I believe if we have a go, we're going to write a different story. And where, God's, where the world says there's no way, God's saying, I'm going to make a way. But I need you. Moses had to raise a stick. Paul had to stand up. Timothy had to believe in himself. Isaac had to sow. They had to do something. Guess what, church? We have to do something. Do something to give God something to work with. And he'll write you a story that you've never even dreamed of. No eye has seen, no ear, ear has heard the great things God's got for you. We can't even imagine how good life could be, but it means standing up. It means making a change. It means pushing a door. It means asking a question. Come, stir your faith again. Would you believe? Would you believe? Would you dream again? Come and touch the person next to you and say, come, would you dream again? Interesting, this next passage, because my ears pricked up. As uh, Daniel was leading the service there, and I promise we didn't talk about this, here's my next verse. Matthew 4, verses 18 and 19. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the, in, into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. Here's, there's another I will. Follow me, and I will make you. What I love about this is God's going to do it. So often we try so flipping hard to be the best Christian on the planet. And Jesus says, I will make you fishers of men. Leave it to me. You just follow me and I'll do the rest. But here's what you need to understand. These were fishermen. It would have been every boy's dream in Israel to be a rabbi. You know, in our society, probably every boy's dream is to be a rock star or a football player or a sportsman or, oh, I don't know, something like that. In Israel, they all wanted to be a rabbi. It was the highest accolade. Do you know, by, the, by, by seven years old, they, have to, they had to have revised all of Levit Leviticus by heart. And if you couldn't do that, you were disqualified. These were the best of the best of the best of the best. And, and so... The next best, if you get disqualified, the next best thing is to be asked by a rabbi to be their school, to follow the rabbi. Jesus was a rabbi. 
He wasn't just any old rabbi, he was a rabbi with authority. He was the best of the best, he was acknowledged. And so when he went to fishermen and said, follow me, of course they dropped their necks because it was the next biggest honor to being a rabbi was to follow a rabbi. Are you with me? So it'd be like, I don't know, if you're a a really good football team follower like Liverpool. (laughs) (laughs) Not this week. Okay, we'll go Arsenal, all right? Just, just for Io, because he's an Arsenal man. <laughs> Imagine you dreamed of being a football player, but you know you didn't quite make it, or you had an injury or something. But they say we see something in you. Will you come and coach our youth team? Will you come and be part of the reserve team setup? Will you be on the staff? That will be the next best thing. Anyone who's into football will jump at that. Well, this is what's happening. So why did they drop their nets? They're fishermen at work. Imagine, just imagine, all of you who are at work, you're in the office, you're earning your one million pounds a year like we all do, and they're really working hard at it, and uh, Jesus rocks up in person into your office and says, uh, I'll make you fishers of men, follow me. We're all going to go, are you joking? But they dropped everything straight away. Straight away, they just dropped and followed him. Why? Because he was a rabbi. And it was everyone's dream to be a rabbi. And next best was to follow a rabbi. That's why it happened so quickly. And he says, I will make you fishers of men. Do you know what Jesus does? He qualifies the unqualified. If you're someone sitting here beating yourself up that you don't know enough, you're not qualified enough, you're not good enough. Jesus says, I will make you. You just be you. You just be the best version of you you can. I'll do the rest. He qualifies the unqualified. You know, I'm sure, back to Evie's story, she's 13 years old, she's awesome, and she knows stuff, but I'm sure she could know more stuff. She could have sat there and thought, I don't know enough to talk to my friends. But she thought, shove it, he will make me, I'm going to speak up. And then when you start speaking, isn't it amazing how God puts words in your mouth? And you turn and go, I didn't even know I knew that. It comes out perfect, you know why? Because I will make you fishers of men. But you know what you have to do in the first place? Open your mouth. Stand up. Lift up the stick, sow the seed, have the confidence. Someone's got to shift something to give God something to work with, and he will make a way where there seems to be no way. Are you with me? All God needs is a yes in your heart. Just a yes. If you'll say yes, he's going to make you incredible. You're going to write a story that is different to the one than if you just sit down. He is going to make a way where there seems to be no way. I guess in all of this, my hope is that you will start to look at your life through the lens of the possibilities when Jesus is involved, rather than through the lens this world wants to put on you. If you listen to this world long enough, you'll probably be okay, you'll get through, it'll be all right. But if you listen to Jesus long enough, you'll go to another level, and another level, and another level. Isaac prospered and became prosperous. If you read the whole story through, they become jealous of him. He's so prosperous. Timothy was a great leader of the church. Paul, we're still talking about his stories now. All these amazing people that God raised up. Could you write a story that leaves a legacy that your children are talking about and your grandchildren are talking about and the people in the city you're planted talk about? There was this woman and I was in the high street and she just came over and prayed for me. There, there was this guy and he didn't know me, but he just put a hundred quid in my hand and it changed my life. 
there was this guy and I needed a car and he just got out of his car and handed, handed me the keys and said, it's yours. There's this time I went to this church and this woman was preaching and she was amazing and she didn't know it, but she kind of read my story and I was speaking, she was speaking stuff out and it was just landing on me. But what they didn't know is that woman had battled for years on whether she should preach or not. But when she said yes, someone came into church and their world was changed. God wants to use you. 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 God wants to use all of you. But there needs to be a yes in your heart. We can look and think there is no way. Or we can rise up in faith and say yes. And allow God to make a way. I love that Red Sea story because they walked through on dry land. That is an impossibility in itself. I believe there's going to be some people with dry land stories. It seemed impossible. But somehow... I walked through. It's our family story. It's possible to live the life we're living right now. It, it cracks me up. But that's my God. That's my God. That's my God. Just feel... I want to pray for relationships. Now, I know some stories in the church. But there's lots of stories I don't know in the church too. But how about God makes a way where there seems to be no way? How about God heals hearts where hearts are broken? How about God brings hope back when hope is lost? Father, I just lift up every relationship in this room, in our church, people listening online, friends and family that we know. Thank you that you're the God who makes a way where there seems to be no way. Would you bring healing and hope? Would you bring reconciliation? Would you take relationships to levels they've never been to before? What seems like it's going downhill, I pray you take it uphill. Would you give people a story of your goodness? Jesus. Jesus. I want to pray for parents. Parenting's tough. You can read all the parenting books that are written and you'll still have difficult moments. But God can make a way. Lord God, I lift up every mother and father in this room and ask for fresh anointing. That in the difficult moments of being a parent, you'd just make a way. You'd give us the grace, the patience, the wisdom, the words, the actions that are right at the right time that our children would flourish, that our homes would be places of love, that Jesus would be made known. Lord, I want to pray for a generation of people who are under 25, away from church, so much on offer in this world, but so much heartache and darkness. We lift them up to you. Would you make a way where there seems to be no way, where young people would be desperate for you, Jesus? Would you use people like us to reach out and love on them, encourage them and help them, not judge them? That we might see a generation in church thriving. I want to pray for our university campus which is literally built on knowledge. 
with the goal of removing God because knowledge trumps God. But would you make a way, Lord God, where there seems to be no way that you would be lifted up in that place, that you would be glorified, that students would find you in their droves. Knowledge is good and important, but you trump it all. Would you stir our hearts, Lord Jesus, to begin to believe for things that seem impossible. Give everyone here their own story of how good you are. Stir us, Lord. I pray, Father God, that everyone just listening to this message will be stirred to dream again, to believe again, to stand up, to try, to give you something to work with. the language of heaven would win the day and not the language of this world and you would be glorified Jesus I'd just like to invite you all to stand if you would Jesus. just as we stand maybe we could just if you're willing close your eyes give Jesus our full attention give the person next to you a moment I often feel like just a, an acknowledgement, an action helps in this moment. So with every eye closed, if you're someone today who says, yes, Pastor Barry, I'm choosing to stand up. I'm choosing to act. I'm choosing to believe for a different outcome. I'm choosing to line up with heaven. Would you just raise your hand because I'm going to pray with you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Wow. God bless you. 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 Oh, wow. Half the room at least. Thank you, Jesus. You can put your hands down. Lord God, you see the hands and you know the hearts. You know situations. I declare over you, God will make a way where there seems to be no way. He will make a path in the wilderness in your situation. Let me speak hope to you in Jesus' name. Let me declare faith over you in Jesus' name. Let me declare courage and boldness over you in Jesus' name. Take the step you need to take and write a new story. Just last thing while we've got our eyes closed. Is there anyone here today who needs Jesus in their heart? You've been doing life a long time and he's on the peripheral. Maybe not even on the peripheral, but you want him in your heart. Is that you today? I'd love to pray with you so that you leave this place knowing, knowing, knowing that Jesus is your centerpiece. Is that you? Just give me a wave. I'll see your hand and we can pray together. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Because one person at the back. So good. People responding. Here's how we'll do it. I'll pray a line and then all of us together pray that line. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus, that you love me. Today, I invite you to live in my heart, to be my Lord, my Saviour, and my friend. Today, I am yours. I say sorry where I've missed the mark, but I thank you unforgiven. In Jesus' name, amen. Should we give Father a round of applause for all he's doing?